listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You are listening to ESL Talk, a podcast made for English teachers by English teachers. Here are your hosts, Daniel and Golnaz. Hello, welcome to episode nine of ESL Talk. Today, we're going to focus on the art and skill of teaching adult learners or those at the graduate or university level. As we know, there are a number of considerations that we need to uh, make when teaching English to different groups of students. So today we're going to discuss and explore those together. Yes, and today's guest is Teresa, a Wesley Experience University instructor with over 20 years of global experience in teaching adult learners. So stay tuned for her expert advice, suggestions and tips. Now, let's begin today's episode by sharing a little about our experiences with adult learners, where we began, began, how we began, and how long we have spent with adult learners. Daniel? Yeah, um, I know I've been teaching now for, this is my 11th year of teaching, which still surprises me every time I say it, but um, I've been with adult learners now probably for about five or six years of that experience. Um, I started with younger learners and then very young learners and then teenagers in high school and then I kind of graduated up to adult learners. So it's been about five or six years now working with um, adult learners. Um, Some of that has been in the um, post-secondary setting, so kind of like not university but before university, so they're preparing for university um, with university students, with graduate students, uh, MBA students, and um, my English students as well that I teach. So I've had quite a lot of experience with that now. Um, Again, I really enjoy it. It's varied. It's very interesting. You meet some wonderful people. So um, right now, I would say my main focus is adult learners, but I do have a sprinkling um, of younger learners as well. Um, What's your experience with adult learners, Colness? Well, I started teaching adults in 2013 and I have continued uh, since then and uh, I also have about two years experience with young learners aside from tutoring and aside from like private classes and my main focus and my main interest is also with adults because like the whole atmosphere and the whole um, you know the whole working style is a little bit different with adults and 
and it's something that I would prefer. And uh, yeah, as you said, uh, the whole interaction and the whole, um, you know, uh, interchanging knowledge uh, is just one of the best things about teaching adults. Mm -hmm. So let's... um, let me ask, why is it important to distinguish our approach for adults and other groups of English learners? Yeah, that's a great question. I think with the younger learners, especially um, you know students who are in primary, elementary school, or maybe middle school, or even high school, you can kind of teach um, a more rounded curriculum because the level of English of those students is quite low usually. So it's quite it's quite normal to have a standard approach where you do little by little, step by step. Um, But as we move on to adult learners, that starts to change and that approach should be very different. Why? Because with adult learners, adult learners have different needs, they have different goals, they have different motivations, and they have different ways of learning. Um, As I said, with younger learners, we can kind of apply a more rounded way of doing it. But with adult learners, we need to be really careful, um, again, with that. And when we have an approach set for adult learners that should be quite flexible as well because one group of adult learners is going to be very different from another group of adult learners and as we'll discuss today things like gender background job um, age of the adult that can also really vary as well so when we're distinguishing and when we're planning for adults we need to bear all of those things in mind um, and make sure that we're catering to each one of their needs as well um, because their outcomes are going to be different and their motivations are going to be different as well Exactly. And like um, adults uh, do not find every lesson or every, uh, um, yeah, yeah, every lesson that you design, they do not find all of it totally relatable. So it's really important to make our lessons relatable for them. And as you said, consider their backgrounds, their life commitments. So what are some other important factors to consider when teaching adult learners? Yeah, I think if you're in a physical classroom, first of all, you should really define the the rules and the expectations there. Because again, if people are coming from the corporate world or they're coming from their own companies or they're just coming from school, they're all going to have very different expectations in the classroom. So first of all, set really um, firm and solid expectations. Um, Involve the students within that, the learners within that as well, because if they can democratically or unanimously agree on this is what we expect, then that's going to make it a lot easier for you to teach. Um, When it comes to English as well, you should always try to encourage adult learners to try to use English as much as possible. Now, obviously in groups, there's a tendency to use the first language or to translate things or use a translator, which at that, at that level, unless they're at a very low level, we should try to discourage. Um, I think, again, part of learning, and especially with English, how we can improve our learning is by asking good questions and by trying to communicate our ideas as much as we can, even if it's not clear, even if it's not a, a very you know perfect question grammatically. As long as the teacher can understand, then that starts to build confidence, that starts to build the skills and the necessary uh, methods of communicating clearly. So I think have really clear classroom expectations. Even if you're online as well, try to be clear as well. You know, adult learners, sometimes they're working, they're very busy. They might want to look at their phones. They might want to turn and talk to their partners or their friends while they're, while they're in a lesson because that's happened to me before. And as long as you're polite and kind of, you know, keep it respectful, I think that's really important. Um, another really important factor as well is what's the student's goal? Are they learning English for fun because they want to go traveling because they just want to learn English? Are they learning English because they need it for work? Do they need it for university? What's their purpose for learning? And always have that as the core of what you do and the core of your approach for teaching because 
if you start to stray away from that and the student doesn't connect and they think, well, this isn't relevant to me, then you're going to lose them. So always relate things back to them, make it relevant to them, connect things and activities and lessons to this will help you to achieve this goal. This will help you to solve this problem. So I think having those approaches is much more um, important than it is for younger learners because with younger learners, it's more about enjoying learning English, having fun learning English, and just getting some small steps, some small progress towards that goal of being becoming competent. So a lot of different different factors to consider there. Um, I would I also add self-direction. Um, yes. I think self-direction is also something that we need to consider when teaching adults because like, mm -hmm. you know, uh, with young learners or other groups, we might not uh, practice it that much because it's not necessary that much. But like with adult learners, something that sometimes we miss is that practice of autonomy, you know, and yeah. having the learners engaged actively. In our learning process. We should definitely empower adult learners. I think that's true. Um, so give me a little bit of your insight, you know, when it comes to teaching adults. Do you have a different approach when you're teaching them online to in the physical classroom? Is there any difference? What do you think? I think um, the uh, fundamentals are the same and the basic things that you do are should be the same, actually, especially with all the considerations and all the precautions that you take and all the um, thought that you put into designing your lessons, like considering their backgrounds and their life commitments, understanding that their um, lives are just, you know, they have lots of things to do, they are busy, their minds are busy. If they do not have many tasks on their plate, but again, uh, adults' minds are just much busier than uh, younger learners. So, um, considering all of these things is I think the same with online teaching as well but like when you do online teaching I think the main method and the main approach that you use um, creates the whole um, creates a whole uh, class mm -hmm. approach you know creates yes. the whole environment so that's really important and that's really um, it's really you know it depends on the group of learners so it can change but the main basic is I think the same yeah, absolutely. And uh, this kind of ties into the next question. Um, with adult learners, you know, they're usually quite motivated, highly engaged. They, they have a purpose. They have a goal. So I haven't encountered too many problems, but it, I'd be interested to know, and we can talk about this together. What are some of the problems and issues that you faced while teaching adults? Well, I think I agree with you, but I think that engaging adults is not just uh, the easiest thing to do all the time but mm -hmm. like with some groups as I mentioned dif different groups of learners I, I mean adult learners uh, create different uh, situations and opportunities for you uh, and also uh, they create uh, different challenges for you uh, sometimes I have faced that uh, engaging adults is not that easy so you have to be you know you have to have like plan B's or even plan C's in, a, in order to be able to engage them actively and have them like um, have them benefit uh, from the whole learning process mm -hmm. like the most possible in the most uh, in the best, best possible way and uh, the thing uh, with adult learners in today's uh, classroom and like with teaching online is that they do not have the same level of tech literacy. That's also another challenge that we are Absolutely. facing these days. Yes. So these two have been the um, biggest issues that I have had with adults. Rather than that, everything, I mean, I, I do not see these as issues, but as some, you know, some things that we need to uh, take a little bit more time to um, navigate through. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I guess related to what we've said, not really issues and problems, but I think one thing that, that has come up for me in the past is unrealistic expectations. Students might come in and say, for example, I want to score a band aid in everything for IELTS. And, you know, I, I might do an assessment and I might say, well, can, based on where we are right now, um, you're probably at a 6.5, maybe a 7. And they say, no, that's not true. <laughs> and I, I need to be at an 8 by next month. And that's not realistic. So sometimes you have to taper expectations and you have to work around those um, expectations and you have to be honest as well with students. So that can sometimes be difficult, especially when students feel that, you know, they're, they're higher than where they where they actually are or they move to another culture and then suddenly someone said well you're making a lot of errors or we need to work on things we need to improve things which you've never heard before so it can be kind of a, a kind of a culture shock and a reality shock as well um again just by reinforcing expectations standards and you know agreeing on certain things to do in the classroom that can usually um alleviate a lot of those issues so if we're thinking more about online teachers and, you know, people who are teaching ESL online, how can teachers appeal to adult learners when looking for new students or new clients? What are some approaches and techniques they can do to, to attract those new adult learners? Well, aside from marketing and, um, you know, uh, advertising for your brand as a teacher, uh, whether you want to uh, attract new students and new clients or whether you just want your lessons and your courses to be appealing to your students, I think all the factors that we mentioned uh, keep your lessons relatable and meaningful uh, to your audience and also have self-direction, have your students actively engaged. See what the strategies you need to implement to have them actively actually engaged in the lessons. If, if something doesn't work, well, don't insist on just using it. Try a new approach, try a different method. And also, I think um, with adult learners, something that uh, I love doing uh, and I think really makes everything, the whole experience much more interesting is um, with TBL and PBL, you know, like when uh, you design your lessons in a task-based learning approach or um, problem-based learning, it just, uh, when you give them a task, when you give them a problem to solve, when you give them a task to accomplish, mm -hmm. they just forget about uh, the whole thing that they are learning English, but they think that they are in being engaged in a task. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they are learning English. That's, I think, something that we really need to practice these days in the 21st mm -hmm. century. Absolutely. Also, having this suitable, being connected to the right network. I think that's also something that we can help as teachers. Yeah, I think, you know, now to be a good teacher, to teach online, you, you don't need to just be a teacher. You need to have some sales skills. You need to have some marketing skills. You need to be able to communicate well with, with lots of groups and appeal to those groups. And I think, like you mentioned, to market yourself well to students, you should try to have the problem-solution um, approach, which is you have this problem, I can help you solve that problem, this is a plan that we can make in 10 classes or 20 classes or a month or two months to solve that problem. So I think that's a really nice way to show them the value in what you can do. That will definitely help you to appeal to new students um, and try to obviously get them on board and get them working with you and hopefully achieving their goals. So let's move on and let's talk about the positives now. So what are the positive effects or the positive results that you've had when teaching adults and how has this differed from younger groups, Golnes? Well, the main thing is that, you know, with the young learners, uh, when 
uh, the feedback that you receive from young learners when uh, they are happy with their class and with you and with everything uh, is usually, I mean, in the old times, uh, what I received was like a hug and like um, drawings, I don't know, different ways of expression of their feelings uh, as children. But like with adult learners, the thing is that you can see uh, for real uh, and you can hear from your learners uh, if you have had any positive effects on their learning process. When, for example, after a year or two years, they um, get in touch with you and they tell you that, uh, yeah, for example, I got the job that I wanted or I got the score that I wanted or um, uh, I was traveling and, for example, I had a conversation in English. It was awesome. I couldn't do it before. So these are the things that um, make you see what you really are doing. But also, uh, sometimes um, you can also see the struggles that your students have. They usually come and tell you. They usually come and communicate them with you. That's also really helpful in you know, making changes to your approach with a certain group of students or maybe in your whole um, teaching process. Yeah, and I just kind of add on to that as well, that I definitely agree that I've had those moments where students that I've taught or I've worked with, they, you know, they've contacted me and said, you know, I've got a place at this university, I've managed to be able to move to another country, um, you know, I was able to um, get into this, uh, this program, this master's program or whatever it might be. So definitely when you get those results and you, you get that feedback, it's, it's really huge. And this is kind of what makes it all worth it for me. I don't know if it's the same for you, but definitely it's a motivating factor um, for sure. Of course, it is motivating for every teacher. I mean, the thing that we want to see is this, to see that the whole uh, hard work is paying off and um, you can see your students improve. That's the only thing we want. Yes, exactly. So we are now going to move on to the next part of today's episode where we're going to speak to Teresa and we're going to find out all about her experiences, her advice and how she works with adult learners. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, welcome everyone to the interview portion of our episode today. Here today with us is Teresa. Teresa, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. So Teresa, can you please start by telling us a little bit about your teaching journey to date? Sure. Okay, so um, my teaching journey probably started when I was still doing my um, under graduate degree where I just sort of um, tutored some students who needed it in in English. And then I got my formal training after my um, after my undergraduate where I did the CELTA, the Certificate for English Language Teaching to Adults. Um, I did that in Canada. And then I started teaching in local multicultural centers um, in Burnaby and Vancouver, BC, uh, where I taught new immigrants. Loved it. Um, I taught, you know, older housewives and, and um, you know, their husbands and people very new to Canada who needed basic kind of survival English skills. Um, I then went into the private language institute type teaching in Vancouver, um, where I taught for a while and then I got a management position and slowly, actually quickly, um, became a director of studies in Whistler for a Whistler, BC, um, and then also in Vancouver. So for two locations, then I went and did my master's degree because I thought it'd be quite interesting to continue with this. So I did that at University of Birmingham in the UK. Then I came back and to Canada, then left again to go to Macau, which was south of Asia, south of China, um, taught there for 13 years. And that's where I transitioned to EAP, English for Academic Purposes, came back to Vancouver, stayed in EAP. I was in management for a little while. And then I started teaching at the um, public and private universities. And then that's my journey to date. And I've also diversified a little bit. I also teach communication. Amazing. Wow. That's quite, a, that's quite a journey, Teresa. I'm very envious of all the experience. So was there any particular reason why you landed upon teaching adults? Is it just kind of a natural step or how did that come about? Um, I think that I've always sort of been interested in culture. So my parents immigrated to Canada um, in the late 60s. So we were sort of we grew up kind of just being active in their kind of alumni associations in Vancouver. And a lot of that had to do with um, teaching and educating and, uh, you know, charity work and that sort of stuff. So there was always kind of an uh, element of teaching, really, and instruction and helping and sharing. And um, I just liked it after I taught my first group of adults. And I saw that what I taught was of value to them. Um, in some way, it was very motivating. Uh, so that's sort of how I continued. I kind of fell into it because of my family background. And then I really liked it after my first experience. 
because awesome. I saw that it was valuable for yeah. the students. We've, yeah. we've talked about that a lot on, on previous previous episodes as well. So I definitely see the value. Um, so what do you think are the main differences with teaching adults compared to younger learners? I know you haven't taught younger learners as much, but what would you say are some of the main differences or considerations? Um, I would say that so, that for younger learners, okay, so I haven't taught younger learners that much, but I have observed teachers who have. I would say that um, the obviously the amount of attention that um, that adults can put into a specific activity that's lengthened with adults. Um, also, in terms of experience and knowledge that adults bring to the table, um, I find that with the proficiency, there's a lot more room for kind of richer, deeper discussions and analysis and so forth. Um, probably level of energy. I think you need a lot more energy for kids because it's just, or, or for even for teens, just because the attention changes every six minutes or so so you need to have something in your back pocket right away absolutely definitely i couldn't agree more with that and um i want to ask you about uh, your opinion on the skills and competencies that teachers should have and need to have in order to teach adults effectively um sure okay so i definitely think um probably the top skill that you need to have to teach um adults effectively would be communication skills. So being able to gauge whether um, you, you know, even just from nonverbal communication skills and being able to gauge whether you're reaching the students, whether you're engaging the students, whether they're interested, whether they're confused. Um, So even just from the nonverbal, and then of course for, for the verbal parts of communication skills, being able to concisely explain and elicit and um, instruct in terms of directional language what to do um, is is so important because the students don't have to battle with all the other fluff of the language, but they're able to to get the um, information concisely and clearly, because that's one of your goals, right? Is to to make sure the information is received and understood and then acted upon. And unless you really fine tune your communication skills, you could assume that that's all getting understood and acted upon, but then later realize that they might've had no idea what you communicated because you didn't communicate it effectively. And that's not fair, I think, for the students. So I think you really need to work on your communication skills. Yeah, I would agree with that. Communication is the most important thing, and is something we kind of take for granted when we're when we're teaching. But it's something we really need to pay attention to. So, just yeah. kind of related to that, Teresa, how do gender, background, and culture weigh into the teaching equation, especially in the settings that we're talking about today? Um, okay, so in terms of the students, right? So, I think um, you know, even then, kind of sensitivity and awareness of um, whether it be the technology that students, or sorry, not the technology necessarily, but the industry or that the students are studying or the technology, whether it be engineering or whether it be business, um, knowing that background and slightly, you know, and and I think students appreciate this, is slight, you know, giving examples in your lessons. Let's say you're teaching a language point, but being considerate as a teacher to know what these students' backgrounds are, to know what they're comfortable teaching with, or at least to get an idea um, 
this could be political backgrounds as well, right? Gender backgrounds, um, academic and work experience, and bringing some of that into your lesson so that it shows that I'm not just teaching you a language point to anybody who wants to be at the at, on the opposite side of me right now in the classroom or on the other side of the screen, but I'm taking your that your life seriously and I'm I'm making it relevant to you. I think students appreciate that. And I think that it can also ignite um, responses and participation um, that just is kind of a win-win for, for everybody, not only the students, but, but also the instructor. Yeah, I think if we understand our students and we, we show that we understand them and that we do care about them and their interests and their backgrounds, I think that can help make a lot of progress um, with students as well. So, yeah. Teresa, any advice on how to teach students with low levels of proficiency without alienating them? Because we have a lot of different levels sometimes and we're dealing with a lot of unknowns. So how can we uh, approach absolutely. that? Well, the one thing I wanted to say that, you know, it's sometimes when students aren't saying as much or they aren't writing as much, um, teachers can, um, and I don't think they do this intentionally, but they can they can forget that this student has a huge, could have a huge um, expertise and knowledge base um, and academic base behind them. They just can't, they can't um, communicate as well as others, right? So, so sometimes teachers might make that mistake of not, not really talking down to them, but just forgetting that. So kind of treating them more like a child or a teen than an adult, because that's the language that we're getting from them It is limited. So I guess my advice on making them feel included is um, to give those particular students a bit more time to prepare for the lesson. And this is organizational skill on the teacher's part, but like letting them know in advance a little bit, whether it be by email or the previous class, you can do it discreetly. So the whole class doesn't know, but um, to, to give them time to formulate what they're going to say or what they're going to write. So when they're in the class, they'll have that confidence. Um, the other thing is frequent touch points. So whether, you know, scheduling chats in addition to office hours and really focusing on those students to in kind of in an inviting, friendly way, like, come, come chat, you know. And then when you're in there also, you can maybe give them more chances and um, more chances and opportunities to speak that they that would also build their confidence. It's about confidence as well, right, mm -hmm. um, I think. So yeah. that's my advice, frequent touch points and um, giving them time to prepare rather than spontaneous asking them on the spot in front of 12 or 20 people. That's, very, that's great advice, Teresa. And again, you know, a lot of our listeners are teaching one-to-one -one in small groups. So again, there's a lot of things that they can implement um, for their classes as well. Um, so one more related point, Teresa, is about content and material. So when we're dealing with adult learners, what might be more appropriate or relevant content to deliver to them as opposed to teenagers or children? Because everyone's different. We can't have the same approach. I think um, I, if I could say that it's it's always, I think, a good idea to do some kind of needs or interest assessment early on or even um, weekly just to see, you know, what and it doesn't have to be like, um, you know, a kind of formal type needs assessment that might scare students, but just really getting to know what their interests are, what their backgrounds are, um, what they'd like to talk about, and then keeping that in mind, I'm thinking of an example, I did this with some students and 
some of my students said, I really, really need to know how to deal with irate customers, you know, like, and I, this was in the needs assessment because I want to start my own business, or I really need to know how to, to um, communicate with, you know, a range of customers between that, that fall on the gambit between irate and elated. And that was all sort of at the needs assessment to see what are you interested in doing? And then just checking that every so often so that you can draw then from TED talks or, um, you know, global issue newspapers or podcasts. Um, so that's how, so in terms of material, you know, I use a lot of TED talks. I try and encourage um, students to, to, to read more. So newspapers um, on global issues, current events, uh, that type of thing. But before I do that, I would try and f- try and find out what, what it is they're interested in, in talking about and learning about and work from there. Exactly. Structuring the whole course and the, like, the materials and the lessons based on their interests is exactly um, a wise move, actually. So I want to ask you about, um, like, considering that you have worked in different settings, I want, you, I want you to tell us a little bit about the difference, uh, the differences that you notice teaching adults in a native and a non-native environment. Sure. Okay. So um, some of the differences, I would say the speed at which people get through things um, and because of proficiency, right? So, you know, uh, if you were teaching, I'm trying to think of an example, something like APA um, tips, it would take longer. So you'd have to plan for that time. It might take longer and it might might be more scaffolded to non-native speakers as it would for native speakers. Um, And I think the difference also is, you know, you really need to keep in mind educational background and culture. So what was the role of the student in their learning environment at their previous university or high school? Um, Were they kind of in settings where the teacher was a facilitator, like in maybe maybe a lot of the high schools or the better high schools in Vancouver where a teacher is a facilitator versus um, other places where the student is just a passive learner getting all the information. That sometimes happens in Vancouver as well, right? It can happen anywhere. But being aware of the way the students learned um, that I think that's that's a difference I've seen where some of my some not all I don't want to make generalization but some of my non-native speakers um, might feel less confident to ask questions or to challenge something that I've said or to interrupt and um, confirm that they understood something whereas my native English speaker groups have no problem <laughs> you know asking or challenging or you know. And that, and I find that part very rich because a lot of the learning happens through those discussions. So trying to create an environment with my non-native speakers from backgrounds who don't support that kind of learning that much, um, I think is quite rich, but it takes them some time to get used to because they have to unlearn something and then learn to be comfortable with something else that used to be maybe disrespectful. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, I hope that was kind of, I hope that wasn't confusing. No, totally clear. Thank you. And uh, now, uh, putting ourselves in the learner's shoes, uh, what do you think are some expectations of teachers that adult learners have? 
organized, to be transparent with their grading, um, to, I think a lot to do with grading is, is, you know, how did I get this mark and, and why? And can I have that criteria before I do my, um, my project? So I think, yeah, students expect transparency in how that they're assessed um, and fairness. And they expect organization and they expect their instructors to, um, to be knowledgeable and to be prepared to teach um, information. Yeah. Definitely. And now shifting the focus a little bit on the university setting, um, what is one strategy or technique that has worked well for you when teaching adult learners in a university setting? Um, I would say probably um, around the word interactivity. So as long as you're not talking at a group for 50 minutes or, you know, and being very aware that that the application of whatever strategy or knowledge or skill that you're teaching gets incorporated several points throughout your lesson and that it's meaningful and that there's a goal. So I would say that, that, you know, interactivity, that there's not just not me speaking, but that students are um, actively participating in their learning at several times throughout lectures. Yes, I think that ties into accountability as well, which obviously makes more sense at the adult level. So this might be a difficult question, Teresa, but what would you say has been your biggest success so far in your extensive teaching career? Um, Okay, if I were just to think of teaching, then I think my biggest success, um, and this sounds kind of like touchy-feely, but it, it really would be my students' success. Right. So absolutely. them communicating to me that they've succeeded in what they set out to improve mm-hmm. um, is my biggest success. And, and I can just give an example. Actually, yesterday, a student got in contact with me and was able to get a second interview at a really big um, kind of a really big, good place to work. And this particular student came into the class with very uh, little confidence about how to how to you know how to manage an interview really um and we worked a lot on that and then just him going out of his way to contact me saying it worked and they asked those questions and I was positive Teresa I focused on the company and not on me um and I got the second interview and just for him to say thank you for your support and your guidance and hearing the joy in his voice so any any time I get this kind of feedback from my students, to me, that's my biggest success. That's what motivates me to keep doing this work. Likewise, I, I would I would agree with that again. That's what makes it all worth it, right? Yeah. 100% true. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Wonderful. So just one more question for you today, Teresa. Thank you so much again for your time. No problem. Um, so just for our listeners, what advice would you give teachers who are maybe looking to start adults? I know that's going way back, but what might be a good starting point? What could be some things that we could do if we're starting to teach adults for the first time? Um, so what could we do practically or what can we keep in mind? Um, we we, we could cover both, I would say, but yeah, some practical tips would be useful. Um, so some tips would be that I would, in terms of, uh, I guess, I would say 
to remember to be kind, remember to be patient, um, and very open-minded. I would say that, you know, going to teaching, especially with adults, remember that everybody has a story, right? So you're just seeing like a frame of them, but everybody has stories and experiences that affect the way that they learn. So don't expect that every student is going to learn according to how you think that they should learn according to how the teaching methodology tells you to teach because it just won't be an enjoyable experience. But if you keep your mind open and realize how much these students, one, have to offer and how their stories can differ and then affect their learning process, it becomes a much richer experience. So I'd say be kind, patient, be open-minded and remember that everybody has a story that affects their learning and to be um, welcoming of, of that, those experiences, because it'll make the teaching so much, so much more rewarding, I think, for everybody, every, for every stakeholder in the classroom. That's wonderful advice and really nice to hear that everyone has a story. I've never actually thought about it in that way, but you've really opened my eyes to a, a new perspective. So thank you. That's great. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Teresa. It was really enjoyable. And I think I think both me and Golnes and also our learners uh, probably learned a lot as well from listening to you today. So thanks so much for your time, Definitely. Teresa. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Golnes. Thank you very much for having me. I, it was great. It was fun. So good luck. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This was it for today's episode. Please don't forget to connect with us. Our email address is esltalkpodcast at gmail.com. And also remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, esltalkpodcast. Thank you, guys. Stay tuned for next week where it's going to be episode 10, 10 episodes in already. Thanks so much for the support. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes and to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for even more ESL teaching content. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for even more ESL teaching content.